listening to a resource from Jambrew Anglican Church. Loving Father, we love your word so much and we love it that you care enough for us to explain the world to us, to explain to us how you've saved us and to explain to us how it is that we should live in response to that. And we pray now that by your Holy Spirit you would teach us and help us to be pleased to obey your word and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, what is your metaphor for the Christian life? What image best symbolises the everyday Christian life? What represents the day-to-day life of a Christian? I think for some Christians, it might be a classroom. Jesus is our teacher and we are his disciples. And we think of the Christian life as sort of like being in a classroom, learning more about who Jesus is and knowing how to think and understand our place in the universe. That's one possibility, the classroom. It might also be, for some Christians, that it's a hospital. And so Jesus is our doctor and we are his patients. And we think of the Christian life as as being sort of time in hospital, being treated by Dr. Jesus, and, and we're healed of our spiritual illnesses and injuries. So maybe it's a classroom, maybe it's a hospital. I think for some Christians it might even be a fitness club. Jesus is our gym instructor, and we are the participants. And we think of the Christian life as being a time when We're off to the gym and we're improving our fitness and we're breaking our bad habits and we're we're feeling better for the future. So maybe it's a classroom, maybe it's a hospital, maybe it's a fitness club. But I wonder how many Christians would think of the metaphor as being a battle. I wonder how many Christians would think that Jesus is our commander-in-chief and we are his soldiers. Do you naturally think of the Christian life as being a time of war, a time of fighting against the enemy and struggling to hold our ground? Is war your metaphor for the Christian life? Years ago, I was at a vision day for a Christian organisation and we were trying to work out a new mission statement. Sound familiar? Well, as we were trying to work out the how to describe this organisation and and who we were and what we were supposed to be doing, someone said, I think we should call ourselves soldiers. We should think of ourselves as being soldiers in this ministry. Soldiers doing battle of some sort. But most of the people didn't like it. It sounded a bit too forceful or perhaps triumphant or maybe even aggressive. The metaphor of a war with battles and soldiers just didn't seem to be politically suitable at the time. But Christians have had war as their metaphor throughout the ages. War has always been a Christian metaphor. Think about these great Christian hymns of the ages. Soldiers of Christ arise and put your armour on. Fight the good fight with all your might. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, you soldiers of the cross. 
Onward Christian soldiers marching as to war with the cross of Jesus going on before. Christ the royal master leads his armies on forward into battle till the fight is won. And then there's this prayer that we pray when a person is being baptised. We pray together, fight bravely under his banner against sin, the world and the devil and continue Christ's faithful soldier and servant to your life's end. See, for thousands of years, Christians have been really comfortable with saying, I'm a Christian, I'm a soldier. But in the end, the idea of Christian being about a battle and Christians being soldiers isn't something that the hymn writers and the liturgy people came up with. It's actually from the Bible itself. And it's not just from the fiery battles of the Old Testament where you kind of expect it to be a bit more warlike. It's actually also in the New Testament and in particular the bit of the Bible that we're looking at tonight from Ephesians chapter 6. We're almost at the end of our 18-week journey and tonight's passage begins with, with the phrase, a final word. And there we get a bit about the battle. And as I now read this to us from Ephesians chapter 6, and the words will be up on the screen, what I want you to do is to listen carefully to what we as soldiers of Christ are supposed to do in this war. And in particular, what is our stance? What is our posture? What are we supposed to be doing in the battle? It's my question. It's actually a real question. I'm going to ask some people to answer it out loud in just a moment. I won't pick on you unless no one answers, in which case I might. Except the guy in the armour at the front here. Greg, you're safe. Mate. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armour so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. And therefore put on every piece of God's armour so that you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. And then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armour of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Do you reckon the New Testament gives us a metaphor maybe related to war and soldiers and battle? Yeah, I think so. I think it's right there. But what's our stance? What's our posture? What's our role in the battle? Yell a few out. What are we supposed to do as soldiers? Stand firm. Stand firm. What else? Put on the whole armour. There's another one. Resist. Resist. Yes, resist. Stand firm. And if you have hold up the shield, put on salvation. Put a, so there's all this stuff that we're putting, we're kind of, you know, there's a, in a sense, I think it's more about defence than attack. It's very much putting on a defensive garment, being standing firm, putting on protection rather than launching a strike to take over new ground. 
And it's really important for us to have this in mind as we look at this important part of the Bible, which, as we've just seen, starts here by saying a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. This is the final word of Ephesians. It's the big final word of exhortation, encouragement, command that we get in Ephesians. Remember what we were looking at in previous weeks? We were looking at how relationships are supposed to work in the church, you know, in the family, in marriages, in the workplace. And that was after a whole big section that talked about how we had to change our life radically from the past. You know, we had, to, we had to put off sexual immorality and the way we speak has to be holy and all this other stuff as well. We've got to make a fresh start. And all of that flows from what God has done for us in Christ. The first half, the first three chapters, is all about what God did for us. And the second half is all about what we do in response how we we live a life of thankfulness, how it is we live a life of obedience. Not so that we'll get saved, because that's been done. It's what we do as people for whom salvation has been given to us. And this bit here is not some sort of random tack on, you know, Paul's trying to fill up his word count or something. No, he's actually, this is core to the whole thing. And it's summarised by this phrase, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. It's, it's defensive. In fact, it's even a little bit passive. It's about letting someone else do the job. It's about his strength, not our strength. It's about the Lord's mighty power. And we've heard about that power before. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you within a strength through his spirit. Now, most of the stuff we're seeing tonight in Ephesians is all linking in with the, the things that we've already read in the verses before. It's not just a tack on. He prays that they will plug into God's power through his spirit. They plug into the power from God. But how? How do we plug into this battle-winning power? Well, verse 11a. Put on all of God's armour. Quite simply, we've got to put his armour on. We've got to put on his PPE and his PPC. We've got to use the spiritual protection that's needed so that we can stand firm. And notice there, it's about standing firm. It's about holding the ground. It's about keeping the territory that has been won for us. Christ has got us the land. He's given us the territory. And now we just need to keep the territory that's already been won. But what do we read about the armour? Whose armour is it? It's God's armour. We're told to put on his armour. Armour that's already been used. Armour that's probably got a few chinks in it. It's been bashed up a bit because there's been a battle that the Lord has had as he wore the armour. And yet we know that that armour has worked perfectly. And now he says, I want to give you my armour. Put it on. See, Jesus fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which was said of him back in Isaiah 11. Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot. Yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. 
This is clearly what was the New Testament writer said, well, that's talking about Jesus. And a few verses later it says, he will wear righteousness like a belt and truth like an undergarment. <laughs> we'll see another bit in a moment, I'll show you. But the point is that Jesus has put this armour on already. He's already used this armour. There's a lot of things in life you don't want to have second hand. But I take it that if somebody's got armour and it's worked really, really well and you know that it's tough, you think, well, it works. And it's special. And it's valuable. Jesus has already used it. And now he says, we, as part of his winning team, can put that armour on ourselves. And here's the reason we do, verse 11b, put on all of God's armour so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. See, the devil wants to bring us down. That is his satanic strategy. He wants to tempt us to despair and tell us of the guilt within, as that hymn so beautifully says. He wants to make us think that we are weak and powerless. And and to pick up the ideas of chapter 4, verse 14, he wants to trick us with lies that are so clever they sound like the truth. The devil wants to trick us with lies. That's his thing. But when we put on the armour of God, we are safe. We are safe no matter how weak we feel. But now we find out more about the nature of the battle, and in particular about our opponent, verse 12a. We're not fighting for, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Our battle is spiritual, not physical. And this is what they're like, 12b. Against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. What do you pick up from that? Pick up, it is a spiritual battle. And it sounds a little bit scary. Mighty powers, evil spirits, authorities, heavenly places. But you know what? It sounds scary. But Jesus has already won. Now, I said that this passage is picking up stuff from earlier on in Ephesians. Well, have a look at this. Let me read out to you from Ephesians chapter 1, 19 to 22, and have a look and see what Jesus has done. Paul prays for them. He says, I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honour at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. And now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else. You know, the same things we hear about there. Not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. Jesus is the mighty, mighty king. Jesus is the boss. He is one. It's not a future victory. It's a past victory. It's been done. He's, he's been wearing the armour and it's all happened. That's the power of the cross. The battle has already been won. I remember in the 1980s, some of us in this room were alive then, reading a Christian book that was very, very, very popular and was called This Present Darkness. 
Now, I, don't, I actually was able to find it on my bookshelf uh, this afternoon, and I thought, see if I could, I forgot to bring it to church, but I, I found it there. And on the back cover, it quotes a verse, and it quotes Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. It's sort of like a novel that was written to try and expand this one verse for us. It's a little bit like Narnia, but unfortunately, unlike Narnia, I, I think that there's a, it misses a tone. There's, there's something missing in the novel as you read it. And the problem is that as you're reading this novel, it feels like you just don't know if Jesus has won and you're just not sure if he will win. It's almost like you're at a boxing match and you've got a person in the red corner and a person in the blue corner. Jesus is in the red corner, Satan's in the blue corner and it's ding, 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 round one, let's see what will happen. But that's not the way that it is. I think this book, as we were reading it, it underplayed the fact that Jesus has already had the victory. What the book did do was encourage us to pray, which we'll talk more about in our final week last, next week. But Christ has already defeated the devil. This is the message of the gospel. And it is such good news. But is the devil just going to say, oh, I give up? Not a chance. He spends his time trying to trick us into thinking he's more powerful than he really is. And he's very, very good at that. And in a sense, he comes in and he influences us and controls us in so many ways. But the point is that when you've got Jesus' powerful, proven armour on, then you're safe. And I wonder if that fits in with your view of the spiritual world. Do you sometimes think of it as though you've... Jesus is in one corner and Satan's in the other and you're just not sure how it's all going to turn out. Well, the good news is that Jesus has defeated Satan. But Satan wants to trick us into thinking he has heaps of power. It's a bit like the Black Knight in Monty Python and the Holy Grail. He's had all his limbs cut off. It's a comedy if you didn't know about it. Uh, and then he says to his opponents as he's there, just a stump and a head. He says, oh, oh, I see. Running away then. And then something I can't say is a sermon. And then he says, come back here and take what's coming to you. I'll bite your legs off. It's a, it's a bit of a tragedy, really. This guy, is, he stands up there and he gets everything cut off. And he thinks he's still got power. He's certainly got a mouth, that's for sure. In a sense, that's what Satan is like. Yeah, come back here and I'll bite your legs off. Like, really? But he does a pretty good job of lying to us, for making us scared, for giving us fear. These are his strategies. But Jesus has defeated the devil. Is that good news? So how do we stand against the strategies of the devil? The devil who's saying, come back, I'll bite your legs off. We put on the armour of God. Verse 13. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armour so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. And then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. What are we got to do? We've got to put on the armour of God. We've got to put on the armour of God. So that we will resist the enemy in the time of trial. When is the time of trial? When is this time of evil? We saw back in the previous chapter 
chapter 5, 15 to 16, be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. And and the same words are used in this verse from Ephesians 6.13. In the days of evil. Right now, we are in the time of evil. And it's now that we need to resist the enemy as battles happen. So that after the battle, we will be standing firm. And that battle is when we're tempted to do the things that the Spirit told us that we shouldn't do. When husbands are tempted not to love our wives as Christ loved the church. Now, when we push through that temptation in the power of prayer, then we've done so because we... We'll put on the armour of God. And when we're tempted to escape from our trials by abusing alcohol, we'll pray for God's strength and his armour will defend us from the enemy in that time of trial. And when we're tempted to pursue sexual immorality or coarse jokes or theft or deception or all those other things of Ephesians 4 and 5, we will ask God to protect us with Christ's armour. And then we will stand to fight another day in his strength. That's the struggle of the Christian life. That's the war that we are part of. And that's why we need the armour. So what's the armour all about? Well, we've already had, thanks to Greg, a terrific preview of all of this, and I won't need to go into a whole lot of detail, but I'll say just a few little bits about each of the pieces of armour. For each bit has its own significance. Firstly, there was the, the belt of truth. Verse 14, stand your ground putting on the belt of truth. The belt of truth. It, it's not truth as in telling the truth, Although that's kind of related to it. It's actually a specific truth. It's the truth of God's word. And we saw this in the first chapter in in 13a, chapter 1, 13a. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. So it's about, firstly, put it in the armour of God that has the truth, the good news, the gospel. It's the message of how to become forgiven friends of Jesus, our loving ruler. The same message that saved us is the same message that protects us. The gospel isn't just for people to become Christians. The gospel is a message for people who are Christians. We need the gospel because the gospel is right there in the armour of God. And what's more, if it's not the gospel that is driving us, then what is it going to be? It's going to be good works. And they're a total dud. Well, then we move to the next bit of armour. We read that, and the body armour, or the breastplate, of God's righteousness. The armour of righteousness. What is righteousness? It's about being right with God. It's about being forgiven by God, reconciled, not guilty in his sight. That is righteousness. And that is Another aspect of the armour that we need to be able to stand up against the devil's schemes. I mentioned already that Isaiah has a bit to say about this. Well, the other bit was from 11. Now, this is chapter 59, verse 17 says, He put on righteousness as his body armour and placed the helmet of salvation on his head. He clothed himself with a robe of vengeance and wrapped himself in a cloak of divine passion. 
What I love about getting into the New Testament is that we get these bits and, and then someone says, mate, did you know it's actually picking up a bit in the Old Testament? You go, really? And you have a look back and you say, whoa, there it is. And all these connections are there. And so clearly the Apostle Paul, he knew heaps about the whole book of Isaiah and he can't just help himself, have it just pop out. And right here, he makes it so clear that Jesus is the one who has already had the righteousness, given us the righteousness. And that's the armour that we've got to put on. But now we come to the shoes, verse 15. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. We need good foot protection, as we've already heard from Greg tonight. That comes from the peace of the good news shoes. The good news shoes, the shoes of peace. More from Isaiah. Here we go. Isaiah 52. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who brings good news. The good news of peace and salvation. The news that the God of Israel reigns. That is the good news. That is the beautiful news of peace and salvation that we have on our feet as we walk around being defended from the devil. And from his cunning plans. So as we're speaking the good news of Jesus, the, the gospel of peace, we, we, are, we are being protected from the devil's false truths. The gospel shoes make us stand firm. And as we wear them, we will then bring the good news of peace to all those that we encounter. Uh, look, you might... If you're a follower of Jesus, be always scared that someone's going to actually ask you about what it means to be a friend of Jesus, or why do you go to church, or why are you a God-botherer, or why does Christmas mean anything to you? You might be scared because you think, I don't know if I've got my answer quite perfectly right in my head yet. Don't worry about that. Just say the first thing that comes to mind. Say, oh, Jesus is great. Love Jesus. He forgives me. I'm going to heaven. And just say stuff and, and come to church. You don't have to get it all right, but don't say nothing. But over time, you might develop a few little things and, and get some things clearer in your head so that when someone asks you, got, you get the question, you've got something ready to go. Well, that's a good thing to do. But whose shoes are they? They're Jesus' shoes. You're wearing them. So put them on, wear them, and you will be bringing the good news as you speak, wearing those shoes of peace. Well, next is the shield. Verse 16, In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith, to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Uh, what is that shield? It's the shield of faith. Faith is another word for trust or belief. It's actually the way that we were saved by God. Uh, back, uh, I keep quoting Ephesians 2 over and over again, but here it is again. God saved you by his grace when you believed. Belief, faith, trust, they're, they're all the same word in the original. When you had faith, and you can't take credit for that, it's a gift from God. Our belief, our faith is how we are saved. And that is how we remain in Christ, 3.12. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. Faith is what gets us in, and faith is what keeps us in. It's not a work that brings us merit. It's like, oh, if only I could have stronger faith because then I would have stronger salvation. No, 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 no. It doesn't work that way. It's not about how much you faith you have. It's about what you have your faith in or who you have your faith in in particular. It's enough to say, 
I am too weak to pick up the 33 kilos of armour. Lord, would you put it on for me? I'm too weak. And he says, I will clothe you with my armour. And then we get the second last one, verse 17. Put on salvation as your helmet. Our head is protected by salvation. It's a helmet of salvation. He has had that helmet on. It has saved Jesus. And so as we put the helmet on us, we are taking that protection ourselves, that salvation. It's already worked. This is a great gift from God to us for our protection. And then finally, 17b, we take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, which is kind of defensive, maybe a little bit attacking, depending on how you, whether you've got a war hammer on your hand or not. But we take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. See, when Jesus was tempted by the devil, what did he use? He used the Word of God. He was there in the hardest situations in his life. And what did he do? He quoted Scripture. Good enough for Jesus, you know. What about us? Do you memorize the scriptures? I mean, you might be very deliberate and say, I'm going to write stuff down on a, on a card or try and memorize it that way, or just read the Bible a lot or whatever. It's a great thing we love to do in youth group to, to have memory verses for that very reason. Because when we do so, we've got the sword of the Spirit ready to go, defend. But all of this shows that we have a protection that has already worked. This armour of God has worked. And God says, you wear it. You take it. It will defend you. You might be striving to say, I need to work harder to protect myself with this armour. But when you understand armour, as we all do a little bit better tonight, you'll know that it's, it's, not, it's not whether or not, you know, Greg's up here saying... I want to feel more protected. I want to feel more protected. It's just a big slab of metal all around him. And it's from outside that the protection comes. And it's a protection that has come from God for us. Friends, I hope you find that to be a great sense of comfort if you're a follower of Jesus. If you're not yet a follower of Jesus, that's a bit awkward because you're doing the battle yourself. Don't do that. Got to get on board with Jesus and get his armour. And if you don't know how to do that, come and talk to us. There's a whole lot of people in the room who've got, got peace shoes, man. We've got the peace of God shoes, right? And we'll tell you how to get them on. But you've got to have the whole armour of God if you're going to survive. Because the devil is sneaky. And ultimately, we are soldiers at war. You know, it might not be a politically sensitive way to say, oh, become a Christian and you're going to go to battle. You're going to fight. You're going to aggressive stuff. But I didn't invite this. I didn't invent this. It's, it's come from God. And you kind of wish that some of our modern hymn writers might actually pick up on some of these themes. You might pick up on the idea of putting on armour. Well, a couple of weeks ago, we actually learnt a new song. For this very reason, for this very moment right now. And it's called, O Church Arise. We'll sing it to you in a moment, but just here are a couple of the lyrics. Have a listen. O Church, arise and put your armour on. Hear the call of Christ our Captain. For now the weak can say that they are strong in the strength 
that God has given. With shield of faith and belt of truth, we'll stand against the devil's lies. An army bold whose battle cry is love, reaching out to those in darkness. Let's pray. Loving Father, we thank you so much that by your spirit you raised the triumphant Christ from the dead. And we thank you that his resurrection is our hope. And we thank you, Jesus, for giving us your armour. And we thank you that it works. And we pray that we might, by prayer, Put on that armour so that we would stand against the devil and his schemes. And we pray, Father, that we would be confident in this because we are confident in you and that we might have this hope, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Jamru Anglican Church. For more information, head to jamruanglican.com.